Hello, and welcome to the 32nd episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright, or contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com, or visit our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. This week, I went with an old favorite. We're talking about the cult classic, Kolchak the Night Stalker. There are two made-for-TV movies, one movie that had a script that was never filmed, uh, an original TV series that ran for one season, and a series reboot that was canceled after only six episodes. And all of these occurred on ABC. So the first Night Stalker is from 1972. That's the first made-for-TV movie. It was produced by Dan Curtis, who... If you remember, his name has done tons of stuff, including Dark Shadows, The Winds of War, Trilogy of Terror, um, all sorts of things. The screenwriter was Richard Matheson. He's probably most famous for I Am Legend. And he's done lots of Twilight Zone episodes and other things. And he used a then-unpublished manuscript called The Kolchak Tapes by Jeff Rice. The movie was directed by... John Moxie, and it starred Darren McGavin, who has done many, many things, uh, but you may remember him as Mr. Park, Mr. Parker Ralphie's father in A Christmas Story. So he stars as the main character, Carl Koljak, and his paper editor is Tony Vincenzo, played by Simon Oakland, who is another veteran actor, and... Um, I won't even try to name all the things he's been in, but he was also um, the psychiatrist at the end of Psycho that explained Norman's condition. Uh, The second movie is called The Night Strangler. The first was The Night Stalker. The second is The Night Strangler. One year later, from 1973, it was written, directed, and starring the same people. Joanne Fluke also joins the cast this time. Then the third movie that was never filmed, because they went with a TV series instead, uh, but there was a completed script that was written by Matheson and William F. Nolan. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then the TV series ended up being named Kolchak the Night Stalker, and as I said, it ran for one season on ABC from 1974 to 1975. It had 20 episodes total. Dan Curtis and Richard Matheson declined to participate. More on that later. So they did the first uh, two made-for-TV movies, but they didn't want to do the TV series. It again starred Darren McGavin and Simon Oakland. And joining the cast was Jack Greenidge, who played Ron Updike, and Ruth McDevitt, who played Emily Cowles. The theme music, which I'll play in a second, is by... Gil Maley, and he recycled some of the previous score that he had done for something he was working on for Gene Roddenberry called the Questor Tapes that never became a series. Uh, Writers on the TV series included Robert Zemeckis, who is another, got a very long uh, resume, including Forrest Gump, Back to the Future, who framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Romancing the Stone, many, many others. 
uh, his co-writer on Back to the Future, Bob Gale, and David Chase, who is a creator of The Sopranos. So lots and lots of talent behind these um, movies and TV series. And then the TV series reboot, which was just called The Night Stalker from 2005. So here Carl Kolchak is portrayed by Stuart Townsend. He's joined by Gabrielle Union. And she plays a crime reporter named Perry, that's P-E-R-R-I, Reed. And there's also Eric Jingman, who plays the photographer Jane McMoss. And Cotter Smith plays uh, the editor uh, Tony Vincenzo. The producer and writer of this series is Frank Spotnick, who was a writer on The X-Files. Due to low ratings, unfortunately, it was canceled after only six episodes of the ten episodes they had created. And here's something else that's not really Kolchak, but is very similar and is often mentioned when we're talking about this series. So I wanted to throw it in here. Something called the Norless Tapes. And it's very, very similar to The Night Stalker, as I said, because it was directed by Dan Curtis and written by William F. Nolan. This time it stars Ray Thines and Angie Dickinson and Claude Adkins. So it was a 1973 pilot by NBC, but it never became a series. And the story is basically the same as Kolchak in that Norlis is missing after leaving behind a bunch of tapes about uh, several paranormal cases he has investigated. So that sounds very familiar to Kolchak. Where to find these movies? Well, the made-for-TV movies are available on YouTube for free. The original TV series is also on YouTube for free, although the picture quality may be lacking, So, but you can still see it. Uh, Amazon has the entire series for $20, so that's $2 per episode, or I think iTunes has it for $1 each. And the TV series reboot Night Stalker, all 10 episodes are available on the ABC app for free, or you can watch them on Amazon for $15 for the entire season or $3 per episode. I watched them on the ABC app. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first Night Stalker movie, critics gave it an 86. Audiences gave it a 76. The Night Strangler, Critics gave it an 86. Audiences gave it an 82. The TV series was not rated by audiences, but critics gave it a 94. And the TV series reboot from 2005 was not rated by the critics or audiences. So as I mentioned a second ago, we were going to talk about the theme music. So here is the intro theme to Kolchak, The Night Stalker.
So the plot of Kolchak is a down-on-his-luck crime reporter named Carl Kolchak, as I said, played by Darren McAvin, is investigating various supernatural cases, and those include vampires, werewolves, and other things, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. He is often in conflict with the local police and his newspaper editor, Tony Vincenza, who somehow manages to show up everywhere Kolchak is. I'm not sure how that works because they end up in several uh, different cities throughout the movies and TV series, which is pretty funny. Um, in Chicago, they work for the INS, which is International News Service. So the stories are told at the beginning with an intro voiceover from Kolchak, and he does some more voiceovers throughout the each episode. Um, and we later learn that he's recording the stories so he can use them to write a book because no one will ever let him publish his actual stories in the newspaper because they're so far out. Um, I like the structure of the shows with the voiceovers. I think that really added and it made the each episode seem like more like a crime procedural, uh, which I liked. So the Night Stalker, first movie, Kolchak is in Vegas, and a number of women are found dead and their blood is drained. In one case, there are no footprints around the sand where a dead body is found, so that's very strange. They eventually find a guy named Jonas uh, Scorzini. I hope I said that right. He's played by Barry Atwater. And the only problem is he appears to be a vampire, and he's super strong and doesn't want to be caught. So Kolchak eventually tracks him to his house where he's keeping a woman hostage as a fresh blood supply. And he is almost captured. It's a pretty tense scene. He's almost captured by Janos, uh, but he manages to use a crucifix to ward him off. And then he makes a plan and goes to the police and Tony, but of course no one believes him. And so he goes back to the house alone ahead of the police and... Uh, confronts the vampire again. He puts a stake in the guy's heart just as the police arrive. So the police see him doing this. And Kolchak wants to publish the story, uh, but instead they run him out of town. They run his girlfriend Gail out of town. He never sees Gail again through this series. And the uh, Vegas police tell him if he returns or tries to publish the story, they will charge him with murder. So that's the first made-for-TV movie. He's in Vegas. The second one, The Night Strangler, he is in Seattle. So the structure of these two movies are very similar. I'm not sure why they made them like that, but, uh, you know, they are very, very similar. So for some reason, Vincenzo is already there in Seattle when Carl gets there. And, of course, more women die. And they follow the killer to underground Seattle, which is pretty cool. And Margaret Hamilton, uh, you know her as a Wicked Witch of the West in uh, Wizard of Oz, she makes a cameo as a professor. And then it turns out the killer is Malcolm Richards. And he has been alive for 144 years. And he must take an elixir, uh, make an elixir out of his victim's blood. Uh, he's got a certain number of victims, I can't remember, it's like six or eight that he has to take their blood from, and this will keep him alive for another 21 years. He's been living down uh, in underground Seattle with the bones, I assume, of his relative that are, relatives that are all gathered around the dining room table that he talks to, 
for a long time. So Kolchak goes down there. He destroys the last dose before Malcolm can take it. And the guy gets old really, really quick and then dies. So both Kolchak and uh, Vincenza get fired from the paper for this. And they, along with Joanne Flug, head to New York to start a new life. Um, the, the movie that was never filmed was supposed to be titled The Night Killers, and this one was supposed to have Kolchak in Hawaii investigating UFOs, and the Hawaiian government, uh, members of the Hawaiian government being replaced by doppelgangers that work for the aliens. And as I said, this was never filmed because they went with the TV series instead. So in the TV series, and notice they just stuck uh, his name in front of it to differentiate it from the first movie. So TV series official title is Coljack the Night Stalker, and this time he is in Chicago. And surprise, Vincenzo is there also. Joanne Flug is MIA and is not mentioned, so we're not sure what happened. Uh, I guess they stopped off in Chicago instead of uh, heading to New York. So that's where the whole series takes place, except for a couple of trips he makes is in Chicago. And uh, at the beginning of the series, Kolchak is forced to um, do some different things around the paper, including answer Miss Emily's mail, and that's an advice column. And she's away on vacation, and she later becomes a regular character. So... The series begins with the police and Kolchak trying to bring down Jack the Ripper, which is pretty cool. I won't go into the specifics of it because um, we'll talk about the various monsters of the week in the trivia section. So that was the original TV series. The remake, which is known as The Night Stalker from 2005, this time Kolchak is in Los Angeles. And his wife was murdered. It's a mysterious situation. And he is in search of the truth about her death. He also ends up in the middle of various other supernatural cases. And he's trying to figure out if they're all connected or not. Um, and we meet him on his first day at a new paper. where, And then we also meet Perry, who's also there. And Jane and Vincenzo. Um, the problem with this series, in my opinion, humble opinion is that they we don't get to see any monsters so there's no monsters here at all unlike the original which had monsters yes it was a uh, low budget they didn't have much money but at least they had a monster that we could get a couple of glimpses of here we don't really get any monsters at all but um there's a reason for that and we'll go over that a little bit later so on to the trivia section
section. Uh, both TV movies were later turned into novels, and the movies and TV series also inspired a comic book series. Kolchak always wears a seersucker suit and a pork pie hat. I don't know if he's one suit that he wears every day or he has like seven versions of the same suit, but he dresses the same every day and also has white shoes. Um, there's an excellent podcast called The Coljack Tapes, and it's from Mike White, who uh, is at the proje- uh, Projection Booth, and that's uh, projection-booth.com, and it's a really great series. It really, really goes into depth of everything involved in the making of the movies and the TV series. He has tons of really good interviews, and they go through each episode individually, both of the original um, series and of the remake. So if you are interested in Kolchak, I highly recommend that. They also do an um, interview with a professor from Kent State University, Mark, and I'm sorry, I'm going to mess up his name, Dwozniak. Um, sorry, I know that's wrong. He wrote... A book called Night Stalking, a 20th Anniversary Kolchak Companion. And he definitely knows his stuff. So definitely worth a listen. Um, If you really like Kolchak, it's worth investing some time in. There's also some controversy throughout this series on whether it's Kolchak or Kolchak. Because he has been listed both ways. So I'm going with Kolchak. Um... I think it's just a, one of those continuity problems. Let's see, movie The Night Stalker. At the time The Night Stalker was released, it was the highest grossing, I'm sorry, the highest rated made-for-TV movie of all time. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the original script by Richard Matheson called for Carl Koljak to be dressed in Bermuda shorts and wear a Hawaiian shirt but actor Darren McGavin said he didn't know anybody that looked like that, so they went with a different wardrobe, which, as I said, is the seersucker suit and pork pie straw hat and white shoes. Um, I can't see him running around in a Hawaiian shirt, um, personally, after uh, watching this series. So I think that was the right choice. Actor Barry Atwater, who, of course, played Jonas, the vampire in the first movie was given red contact lenses for his role as the vampire after wearing them for long periods of time his eyes were so sensitive to them that they didn't need the contact lenses anymore because his eyes were really really red and that is a very good scene when they show his eyes uh, in the movie when they have the reveal of him so that's very cool the movie the night strangler Uh, Beyond the 90-minute version of the movie, there was additional footage film that we never saw that featured George Tobias as Jimmy Stack Stackhouse, who was a reporter uh, who had reported on previous series of Strangler Murders in the 1930s. And in that footage, Coljack tracks him down and then speaks with him about the murders. But again, I guess that was cut for time, so we did not see that. The movie, The Night Strangler, was shot in 12 days, so that's super fast. And owing to the relatively small space it occupies, the Seattle Underground Network scene in the movie was actually shot not at Pioneer Square, 
but at the Universal Soundstage. I guess it would be really hard filming in there anyway, even if it was bigger. Um, there is a good Dan Curtis interview on YouTube in four parts that talks about the making of these movies. So if you type in Dan Curtis and The Night Strangler, you'll find them. So that's worth a look as well. Uh, apparently, Darren McGavin and Dan Curtis had a big blowout at the end of filming of these movies, and that's one of the reasons that um, Dan Curtis passed on doing the TV series. Uh, and as we'll, say, we'll see in a minute, he also didn't think the Monster of the Week format was going to work. So he passed to go on to do other things, and as we know, he was a very, very busy man. Darren McGavin guest starred in an episode of X-Files called Travelers. In that, he played Arthur Dells, who was apparently the father of the X-Files program at the FBI. He was offered the role of Fox Mulder's father, but he declined that. And I think that would be pretty cool um, if he had done that. TV series, Kolchak. No surprise, we just mentioned that, is considered an inspiration for The X-Files. Um, also some, you know, lots of other movies or TV series like Grimm, Fringe, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's a number of them uh, that followed in Kolchak's footsteps. Uh, Chris Carter tried to get, oh, I already said that. He tried to get him to appear as his father, uh, Fox Mulder's father, so there could be a shared universe between Kolchak and the X-Files, but he opted out of that. Jeff Rice, who we talked about at the beginning, sued. He was the, uh, his unpublished manuscript at that time was originally used for the first movie. He sued ABC and Universal because they did get his permission for Kolchak the Night Stalker. He was eventually able to retain literary rights to the works, Hence, the novels and the comic books were from him, but ABC, Universal, and Disney maintained the creative rights, which is the rights to any movies or TV shows. Also, suing ABC effectively ended Rice's career in Hollywood. No one would work with him after that, and he had also originally hoped to have a smaller role in the TV series, but they passed on that, so that didn't work out too well. Um... The TV series was canceled because Darren McCavin wanted out of his contract. He was frustrated with the scripts and exhausted from his non-credited producer role. So if you look in some publications, it lists him as executive producer, but he was never officially given that title, even though he apparently was doing uh, lots and lots of work, not just starring, but behind the scenes. And this also put him in conflict with the producers that Universal had assigned to the series. So there was lots of infighting, apparently, on the show. Um, and as we said, Jeff Rice, who wanted to be in a, in a role in the TV series, he had originally tried to be the coroner, but he was replaced by Larry Linville from MASH, and also Larry Linville has a at least one more role as a different character in the series later on. Um, Ruth... McDevitt played several roles throughout the series, including a nosy neighbor in the first episode, and then she was alternately referred to as Emily Cowley or Edith Cowley, so they couldn't decide what the poor woman's name was. Um, 
but she eventually became a regular character, and she is the person in the series that Kolchak has the closest relationship to, even though probably if you ask him, he would be hesitant to admit it. Richard Kill, who played Jaws in the James Bond movies, is in two episodes as monsters. He's in one that you never would know because you don't see its face. He's in the Spanish Moss Murders um, as a big monster in the sewer system, and then he also plays a Native American in Bad Medicine, and you see his face there. Um, I think Kolchak would have been better if they had let him leave Chicago more than once and travel around the country like Mulder and Scully did in the X-Files. Uh, and we never find out, too, why all of these things are happening in Chicago. Um, maybe it's on the Hellmouth, like Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're not sure, but they never really say. But there's all sorts of craziness going on in Chicago. Here's something interesting you might not know. Uh, Darren McAvin's In Real Life wife, Kathy Brown, guest stars in, I think if they were aired in order, the final episode of the series called The Century. And it's fun to watch the watch them interact with each other knowing they're married. Um, and they were actually married from 1969 until her death in 2003. So they were married a long time. So uh, if you haven't seen this century, it's worth another watch to see the, the two of them interact. There were two, after the TV series was over, there were two later Kolchak movies, but they were just created by taking two of the existing episodes and putting them together and adding some additional dialogue. So there's no uh, new content in those movies. So I don't even name them here. And lots of famous people were in the Kolchak series, and too many to name, but I already said Margaret Hamilton, and Larry Linville, Jamie Farr, Phil Silvers. I also said, um, let's see, um, the guy who played Jaws, Richard Kill, Bernie Koppel, who was Doc on the Love Boat, Eric Estrada from Chips, all sorts of people were on the show. And sometimes they would just show up real quick for a very small part, and then they'd be gone and you'd never see them again. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the Monsters. So as we said, Kolchak follows the Monster of the Week format, which I'm fine with. And they didn't have much money, so sometimes the Monsters were pretty hokey. But... You know, I'm okay with that if it's got a good story. So the kinds of things they covered included vampires, werewolves, mummies, zombies, doppelgangers, witches, a succubus, and someone who had a pack with Satan. And four episodes focused on monsters or spirits from Native American folklore. So two, or from, I'm sorry, from Native folklore. So two were Native American legends, and then there was a Hindu one and a Creole one, so that was pretty cool because I didn't know anything about those creatures. And the series also dealt with um, creatures from science fiction, so a killer robot, an invisible alien, a prehistoric man who gets thawed back to life, a lizard creature who's trying to protect its eggs, and it had a few weird things. This is not my favorite. Some people like it. But there is an episode with a headless 
horseman, you know, from uh, Ichabod Crane, the Headless Horseman, a headless horseman, but this time he drives a motorcycle. And obviously it's a guy with like, a, you know, that thing on his head uh, because his torso is really, really long. So that's one episode, again, not my favorite. There's also one where a knight suit of armor becomes possessed by a spirit and starts killing people. And then the first episode of the series is Jack the Ripper. So that one's based on a real character. And then there's a later one that is about Helen of Troy, who is played by Kathy Lee Crosby. And it is about some, and it deals with immortality and aging. So she is trying to steal the youth from people to, and sacrifice them to her God in order for her to remain young. So next up, the TV series Reboot. There isn't obviously as much trivia as this because it's only aired for six episodes before ABC pulled the plug on it. ABC owned the rights to the original television series, but not... I'm sorry, ABC owned the rights to the original television movies, but not the Universal Television series, so they were limited to using only characters that appeared in the movies. And... While ABC only aired six episodes, the Sci-Fi Channel and the Chiller Channel eventually aired all ten, and like I said, all ten are currently available on the ABC app. Unlike the humor that we saw in the original Cold Check, the reboot went straight for mystery and horror, which I personally think was a mistake. The horror and um, following Cold Check around as he does crazy stuff it was one of the best things about the original series, so... I think that was what was lacking in the reboot. And Kolchak is, is, you know, despite the fact that he's a busybody and, you know, basically uh, full of BS and is always getting, sticking his nose in places where it shouldn't be, he's a very likable character. And I think that the more episodes you like, the more episodes you watch, the more you like him, so you're rooting for him. And even if the monster's not good, it doesn't matter because it's just fun to watch him get into jams and, and fight with um, Tony. And none of that, unfortunately, that dynamic was in the remake. Um, let's see. What the remake does, though, is it tries to add some mythology uh, which never appeared in the original. So in the original, there was really no mythology behind it. It was just Monster of the Week. Uh, Kolchak is trying to figure out what's wrong. No one will believe him. He goes off to investigate by himself. He ends up killing the creature, or the creature gets away. He wants to write the story, but Tony won't let him. So that's the, the really the structure of the entire original series. In the remake, they tried to do a reboot and create a mythology, and the mythology had something to do with a birthmark that Kolchak has on his hand and, or his wrist and he has also, also seen that on various other dead people but they did not have enough time to expand on that. At one point Johnny Depp was being considered for a remake movie so I'm not sure how I feel about that 
Now that might be interesting. And here, if you blinked, you missed it. In the pilot of the reboot, in the newsroom scene, the first one, um, there's a guy talking to someone and it pans over and that is Darren McCavin who was digitally inserted into that scene. So he's standing at one of the desks talking to one of the reporters. So I'm not sure how much it costs to insert him in there. They don't really mention him at all. So, I mean, I know it's supposed to be a tie into the original, but I would have think if they were going to, you know, spend money on that, they would have uh, expanded on it a little bit. But anyway, if you blink, you missed it, so you might want to go back and look at it. And then, as we said before, the podcast, The Cold Check Tapes, has some great interviews, and one of them includes an interview with Frank Spotnick. And the reason he said, as I mentioned before, there are no monsters in the reboot, which is one of the problems with the series being better, is he said the studio would not let him put any monsters in. He tried... And they just wouldn't let him do it, so they were kind of stuck. So, I mean, I mean, they did the best they can, I think. And they just, you know, so. Oh, and he also says that Kolchak, that mark that he had was supposed to be the mark of Cain. And that Kolchak was born bad. And if the TV series had been allowed to continue on, they were going to talk about... Uh, that in future episodes and whether, you know, whether it's predestination that if you're born bad, then you're stuck that way or if he can change by doing good deeds and that sort of thing. The reboot really wasn't bad. The actors were good. I liked them. Um, but there just wasn't enough to keep them back because I, I kept thinking even from the first episode that we're going to see the monster and we don't see anything. And there's also no Kolchak-Vincenza dynamic with them yelling at each other all the time in each episode that was fun to watch. Uh, there's none of that in the remake as well. So, why should you watch these movies? So, Kolchak the Night Stalker is now considered a cult classic, and it still runs in syndication. It has been running... On MeTV, as of this year, it created a whole new subgenre called The Paranormal Investigator. And I already mentioned it was, you know, the basis for a number of other movies and TV series. Also, these movies and the TV series are a nice slice of what life was like in the 1970s. So you see... Switchboard operators, typewriters, payphones, cassette players, uh, cameras with flashes. Uh, there's no cell phones, no internet, and it's just a guy trying to get to the truth and no one believes him. So it's kind of fun to see um, all those things that we used to have that we don't have anymore. And as I said before, the episodes are very formulaic. I don't have a problem with that as long as they're fun. Let's see, on to recipes. So it should come as no surprise that this week I went with Foods from Chicago, since that's where Kolchak takes place. And I just have a couple of foods that are made famous there or maybe that you haven't heard of. So deep dish pizza, obviously. <coughs> that's Chicago pizza, not to be confused with New York's thin crust pizza. 
So Chicago, very famous for that. Italian beef sandwiches. I don't really know anything about these, but apparently it's a Chicago delicacy. Um, there's at least one Italian beef uh, sandwich shop in all 50 states, but there are 300 in Metro Chicago alone, so that gives you an idea of how much they like Italian beef sandwiches. There's a Chicago-style hot dog, so apparently that's an all-beef hot dog on a poppy seed bun with lots of garden toppings. Twinkies were invented in Chicago, and they were invented in 1930 by James uh, Dewar, who was a baker at the Continental Baking Company. They were originally banana cream filled, but then switched over to the most common now vanilla cream filling. And they almost disappeared when Hostess declared bankruptcy. I can't remember when that is. I think it was around 2012. Uh, but luckily they're back now. And the good news is, I think there are three plants in the U.S. that make them now. But the good news is they never go bad. So the shelf life on those things is like 100 years. So, um, so you don't have to worry about them going bad anytime soon. Cracker Jacks, also invented in Chicago, they were introduced at the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. Frozen Foods, invented by Charles Lupin, who founded Sara Lee in the 1950s, and that's so he could get his food product out to people. Uh, I think he was trying to, to ship it out to a 300-mile radius originally um, in order to keep his food from spoiling. So obviously that was a big has made a big difference. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Here's something that I have not had. The last two things, pepper and egg sandwiches. Apparently that's a big thing in Chicago. It's scrambled eggs and bell peppers, black, um, sorry, green or red, um, and possibly some sautéed onions and some cheese. It is apparently popular during Lent. Um... And there is something called chicken Vesuvio, V-E-S-U-V-I-O. That is sautéed chicken on the bone in a skillet and has herbs, garlic, and white wine. It's served with potatoes and peas. It was invented after World War II. Uh, I've never heard of this, and I'm not sure many people serve it outside of Chicago, but I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Um, it sounds like something I would like. So those are just a few of the, the foods that come from Chicago. So in conclusion, um, there's lots of options for episodes to watch for Coljack. I would suggest possibly watching the made-for-TV movie, the first one, The Night Stalker, and then watching The Ripper, which is episode one, The Werewolf, which is episode five, um, the Trevi Collection, which is episode 14. Those are some of my favorites. The werewolf is about a werewolf. So Vincenzo is supposed to go on a singles cruise to write an article for the newspaper, and then it ends up he can't go, so he has to send Carl. And there's a werewolf aboard the singles cruise, and so he ends up chasing people around. So I think that's just a funny idea. Um, I wish they had gone with more humor in that because he's just running around attacking people. Uh, <coughs> so that's a pretty funny idea. 
So if you watch um, that movie and a couple of these episodes, I think it'll give you a good idea of the series. There are obviously many, many more to watch. Um, I personally would skip the remake. There's really not much going on there that would keep you coming back for more, which is a shame. Um, and just in a closing thought, so I watched Kolchak originally as a young child, and I remember it scared the bejesus out of me, especially the, I distinctly remember the, the second movie, which is where they were in the Seattle underground, and I thought that was like the coolest thing ever, that in my head there was a vast, like an entire city underneath Seattle. Now, after having rewatched it, that's not what they say at all. But in my head, there that meant that there was a you know there was a whole other city down there. So I thought that was really cool. The other thing I didn't understand, I was always scared of the vampires every time they showed up. But the other thing I didn't understand is Kolchak drives around in a Mustang convertible, and I don't know why because if you're hunting vampires, that's a really bad idea because the vampire is just gonna swoop swoop down out of the air and grab you. I mean, if you're hunting vampires, you should at least have a roof on your car. So, I don't understand that. Um, but, nonetheless, he drove around in his convertible. It was a pretty cool car. And the vampires never got him, so I guess he was okay. Um, so, that's all I have for this week. I hope you enjoyed Kolchak as much as I did re-watching these episodes. Um, it is a lot of fun. And... So until next week, watch out for all manner of monsters and not sure what we'll talk about next week yet, but it will probably be another franchise. So take care and have a great week.